Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan recap the Twins' two-game series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis. With me, as always, is Dan Thompson. After a long absence, Dan and I are reunited in studio. I had to put up listening to Hoags for the last couple of episodes, ragging on me about musicals, ragging on me about my, my thoughts about the Twins and their prospects for the season. Dan, I got to say, I don't know how much I enjoy being a, a listener and not a participant in the podcast. We had a great time without you, though. We made so many references to musicals that I just think went totally over your head. Did you even catch the two titles were musical references? Uh, no, no, I did not. That's because they were so good that they made sense anyway. Um, one other thing, though, you have we used a Sound of Music reference as a title in the playoff series against the Astros. Did you realize that that's what you were doing? Um, yes, likely. I yeah. am 17 See, going on 18, going on 19. Like a, yeah. yeah, I thought it was one of my better titles, to be honest. It was. Yeah, I was pretty impressed because with Because it was an allusion I... <laughs> to a musical, David. That's what made it so great. No, that's not why. That's not why. It was the cleverness, Dan, of the title, not not the object with which it referenced. All right. Since we're complaining about things. So I've been meaning to say this for a while. You know how sometimes announcers will truncate the word velocity and they call it velo? That drives yeah. me nuts. That doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't sound like the word, right? Shouldn't it be at, like it should truncate the actual phonemes and it doesn't even do that. Okay. <laughs> Does that not bother glad, you? The glad, other one. Glad we had the other one was in game, I think it was game one, where the Dodgers announcers, because I was I watched the recap too, just to make sure I, I didn't miss anything, um, and they kept calling high fastballs cheddar? Yeah. Come on. Come on. That's lazy. I don't know. Just Is call it, it a high it's fastball. A pretty... Be descriptive, not metaphorical or simulacral or whatever. Come on. You're terrible. an English teacher. You I know, and I don't, like, I don't like unnecessary, like, flowering of language, right? It should say what it needs to say, right? Say John Mayer was right. Yes. Great. Anyway, what is this? What are we even? What doing? are we doing, folks? You can tell we are we are procrastinating pretty hard because this was a pretty terrible series. The good news, Dan, we don't have to play the Dodgers again until the World like, Series. And likely David. we won't see them for for the <laughs> yes for the entirety for the entirety of the season. Uh, yes, you're right. Pending pending a potential World Series matchup, but the Twins are swept by the Dodgers not only in this series but in the first series as well. So they go 0 for four. Not great. Couple of impressive notes about this series: to have five errors in two games, pretty impressive. Not many teams could pull that off, Dan, but the Twins the twins managed it. No, and also, by the way, the Dodgers have won 10 games in a row. They're far and away ahead of, of even the Padres. The Padres are a good baseball team. There's still like 16 or 17 games against the Padres. We do have to pay attention to the wildcard standings now, David, because Cleveland actually passed the Twins now. They're a game ahead in the Central. I don't want to say that me not being on the podcast had an impact here. 
But I'm just saying, I stepped away. When I left, the Twins were in first place, sole possession of first place. And now I come back and they're not even in first place. They're in second place. I know. Seven and nine since the All-Star break. Now they just can't put together winning streaks. They can put together these three-game losing streaks, which is what they're on now. But they, they need, I think Dick Bramer pointed this out, they need a five-game winning streak. They need something. And maybe they can do it here against the Angels and Royals and Rangers. Well, I think they need seven of nine. I think that's what they need out of these next ones to like still sort of keep in the hunt and to like get back to that American Central lead position. Well, here, we should talk about this series, David, because there were things to talk about. Series recap. Not really, Dan. <laughs> like, 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 you can say that there was stuff to talk about. I suppose I don't want people to turn off quite yet. Like, if you could listen to the end of the podcast, that'd be great. But it's not going to be enjoyable, folks. I'm so sorry about this. Twins lose game one 10 to 3. Twins have two errors. They do have seven hits. So, I mean, I guess there's that. But honestly, anything that the Twins did in this game, it was meaningless by the time that they did it. I guess that's not 100% true. The top of the second inning, they tied it. It was a one run game for a couple of minutes there. Yeah, I mean, playing catch up against the Dodgers just isn't where you want to be, um, especially with a lineup that's pretty battered right now. I know Buxton played. He had a late home run that didn't really matter in the in the final. Um, Urshela had a hit, but you got Polanco going 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. Miranda after him, a couple strikeouts 0 for 4. Kepler, who we'll talk about later. Even Sandy Leone couldn't get a hit. Joe Ryan's on the mound, and he does not look good. I mean, even, even the outs didn't look good, Dan, and that's when you know it's a rough outing for the pitcher when the bats are flying off the ball, even on the outs. And yet he threw a 110 pitches it was like Rocco was like we are getting five innings out of you Joe Ryan what, what is it with Joe Ryan that just he's okay with leaving him out there as a sacrificial lamb do you think that there's something to be said about him coming up through college and like maybe his arm is just sort of used to that stamina that's required I'm sure there is that too and obviously Rocco must think that he can handle it mentally like he can take a shellacking he went down pitching <laughs> okay but he was overmatched I mean this is a veteran team there are so many all-stars on this Dodgers team it's just not even fair to throw a rookie out like that no, and I mean, when you got Urias on the other side, just throwing heat. Yeah, he was great. Seven innings, one earned run, eight strikeouts. The Twins just could not keep up with him there. And and, and I was looking at the pitching matchups in this, in this series, and I was thinking, gosh, you know, you kind of wish they were just throwing... Barcher out there, you know, Bundy and Archer, just to kind of like say, all right, guys, well. Well, but at the same time, like Rocco did a pretty good job managing this loss, Dan, because he only had to use McGill and Pagan, two guys who you wouldn't want to use in high leverage situations currently anyway. He does manage losses really, really well. Um, a couple other things, you know, there was a moment, so Celestino was playing center in for Buxton, who's, um, they revealed later t- later in the series that uh, the reason that he's been staying out is because of a, of a play at the wall in San Diego, where he went up to try to steal a home run, came down and it seems to have tweaked his knee a little bit, so that's why he's been DHing more. Um, but there was a, a ball where Celestino came in and dove, missed it. I bet Buxton gets that on a line, saves a run or two. I get that the game is, is already, you know, the Twins are already behind, but it was that kind of little bit of play. And we saw that with Celestino in game two as well, a ball back in center that he couldn't come up with. Ugh, yeah. You know, just, you really that wanted one, Buxton. To be fair, yeah, no, Buxton would have caught that, and Celestino should have caught that ball. Absolutely. Like, that was one that... Yeah, he even had the line on it, but he like at the last second he took one step too far before jumping, and it just it just threw the whole catch off. Well, then let's uh, let's let's go in and talk about game two a little bit more. The Twins lose this one, but they do have a lead in this game. Uh, they end up losing it eight to five. They had a three to two lead with a Polanco home run in the third. Which David, I wanted to say, I was so close to texting you guys to call that home run, but then after strike one, I chickened out. Yeah, you should have done it, Dan. Does that it count? Doesn't count now. If I tell like, you no, like means- that, I was going. 
going there are no to receipts. It? There are no, no, no. Did you write it down in a diary and you're going to fax it I, to me? What I are you didn't. talking no, about? No, that wouldn't even be time stamped accurately, David. So we yeah, can't, exactly. Yeah. Show me the receipts if you're going to say you made a call. I have now, no granted, receipts for it. At least do what I do. Just send a call every other at bat, and then sooner or later <laughs> you're bound to get one, and you'll have the receipts. But at the, in that moment, I thought, you know, I think the Twins could really hang on to this, especially after Sanchez hit that home run in the fifth. They got a four to two lead, and I'm thinking they got all these bullpen arms, uh, but it, it didn't work out that way. No, it was good to see Sanchez get in on the action, though, and put a good swing on a ball for once. Yeah, he's been really quite awful. And, and that was the problem, too. I'm looking at this Twins lineup, and again, you know, the bottom three are Cave, Beckham, and Sanchez. It, Beckham's DHing. This felt like a lineup with, like, a like Jason Bartlett DHing, like, from 15 years ago. You know, just, they're so thin right now, clearly, in the lineup. And and I get that they're just going to have to try to get healthy and, and swing their way out of it. Did you see the replays they were showing of Morneau hitting homers and for the against the Dodgers way back when? And he, he even made a comment that, like, the video footage looked like it was from the 60s. <laughs> It didn't look like it was from like the early 2000s. Well, that might have been like the last time the Twins actually beat the Dodgers. Like it's been yeah. so long. It was five to three. They won that game. So we can hang our hat on that, Dan. Ugh. Well, anyway, other thoughts on this game, David? So the only other thought I wanted to say is that Joey Gallo has had a rough go of it. But even the worst Yankees, Dan, apparently own the Twins. Even the worst Yankees, who so bad, Dan, so bad that they got traded away and they still managed to destroy the Twins. Yeah, when Joey Gallo came up and this was with a couple guys on, the Twins are down at that point five to four, but the game's still kind of within reach. It's in the seventh inning. But you get Griffin Jacks up there and you think there's Griffin is no match here for Joey Gallo. To uh, a little callback to the very first episode of this season, Dan, Griffin Jacks is not the man. <laughs> no, he's not. And there's the thing. He was throwing 97, 98 earlier in that. But I think, uh, yeah, not in that moment. Um, a couple of other things to point out about this game. Luis Arise actually does get three hits. His average is back up to 333. It's three games in a row now that he's played in um, that he's had three hits in them. And then also, I don't know if you were still watching closely in the bottom of the eighth, but the Twins finally did get a 1-2-3 inning in the bottom of the eighth. Um, it took a challenge because the play at first was pretty close. Um, but that was their only 1-2-3 inning of the entire two-game series. Oof. Well, I do have to say, too, on that play, to me, I would have called them out on the field. Like, it, it didn't, I mean, it was close, yes, but it looked out to me. Yeah, and, and at, even at that point, I mean, it, it was pretty clear the Dodgers were going to win that game. But the Twins do threaten in the ninth to get a couple guys on. They actually do score a run on a wild pitch. Um, and by the way, the boos for Carlos Correa, David. It was it was aggressive, certainly. And part of that is what I wanted to mention. It just seemed like these Dodger fans were really invested in the game. If you go to Target Field, and it's a close game in the bottom of the eighth, there's a good chance the wave is happening, right? Like, like there's a pretty solid chance you'll see someone has decided now is the time to start the wave. That was not <laughs> happening at Dodger Stadium, Dan. These guys were invested. And like you said, you I mentioned that to you, and you had said, well, it's probably because of this win streak. And there's probably something to that, certainly. Well, yeah, and they've won a World Series. I mean, they're just, they're in their prime right now. Um, I think if the Twins were on a 10-game winning streak and they had won a World Series recently, I think the fans would be into it, too. I bet they'd still be doing the wave. <laughs> <laughs> But they'd be doing it really, really well, I'm sure, David. No gaps. No gaps in that wave. Okay, well, with that, Dan, here, let's go to our segments. Touch them all, Kirby Puckett! Puckett's Picks winner. David, it's happened. It's happened. Ugh. I have come back, and I have tied you in Puckett's Picks. You are O for your last seven. I don't know. Here's the thing. 
So I was in Indianapolis, and you're like texting me. I got to make sure to get my picks in and whatnot. And it's really hard. I'm trying to learn board game rules. I'm trying to move pieces around. I'm walking all over the place around this convention center. I'm trying to look, okay, who hasn't died yet from the Twins lineup who I can actually pick? And it still doesn't matter, Dan. I don't know what it is, but I'm back now. I'm convinced me back in this chair is going to will a victory for me. So anyway, as it stands now, Dan took Polanco through some... Miracle just chose Polanco's what name out of the hat. About? That's not a miracle. He's a great pick. I picked him <laughs> so he, because of his play. What was, well, I had a reason, didn't I? Because you did. of the you shifting. You and Hoag because said, they shifted against him so yeah. much. That's, yeah, you I, talked that's about it at length uh, with Hoag's last episode. But so Dan gets the victory. Polanco had three points. Uh, Hoag's, for the listeners, took Miranda, who had uh, negative one point. And I have Correa, who scored zero. So I guess... All things considered, I guess that's fine. So unfortunately, that does mean season standings now. Dan has now tied me at 13. The listeners are at 9. And I'll give you the points scored. I don't even want to. You've tied me. I feel like I don't even owe you this, Dan. But points scored, Dan has 188, I have 162, and the listeners have 151. It's like baseball. Run differential always catches up with you. At the end of the season, it's always those teams, right? A quick side note, too. The new meme format using the... using the money ball (laughs) billy this is (laughs) this is blank his only problem is blank is just absolute gold well the chris sale one was pretty good you know his only only flaw is he can't ride a bicycle yes and did you see the other one that was the meme of the guy putting the stick between the spokes you know and it's chris sale chris sale chris sale and then he falls over Chris Sale, if anybody doesn't know, so he's the Boston Red Sox pitcher. He's, I mean, he's a fantastic pitcher. We do wish him a quick recovery. We don't wish ill on people. He's only made, what, two starts this season because he's been dealing with other injuries, and the Red Sox are bad, but he's out for the year because he, he had a bicycling accident. So we wish him well. As a cyclist myself, I know that it happens. I just think it's a little odd that he's putting you know his career at risk there uh, by biking around Boston. He's a bazillionaire what is he doing you do think he could afford an uber right like like get it done man (laughs) maybe he just really likes to cycle maybe anyway could be loves the cobblestones uh we should move forward here to our next segment beast versus bench is losing fun is losing fun so with Beast versus Bench here, I've, I've kind of wanted to pick Polanco, but he did have three strikeouts in the first game. And that, it's really hard when a guy strikes out that much. So I went with Arise because I thought in game two, he really gave them a chance to win that with his three for four games, scored a couple runs. He was, he had a walk. He looked like himself. And in that leadoff spot, when Luis Arise is getting on, that makes all the difference to this team. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it to Buxton. He went two for four with two RBIs. He only played in one game. But again, I think we sort of have to grade Buxton on a curve based on how many games he's actually in. And especially in a two-game game series playing one of two is i mean that's just about what everybody else on the team did as well (laughs) that's true yes everybody seemed like they got a day off um what about bench for you so here's the thing from what i understand these last couple episodes i can give this to whoever i want right like hoax has given it to umpire Cruz. he's given he's given it to the other team Like, like it's a really confusing time for me to understand what exactly qualifies as bench so I'm going to actually give this to the bench, the the <laughs> physical bench at Dodger Stadium for upholding these twins who honestly, even had they been on the field, they would have been of no use, Dan. <laughs> David, that's pretty harsh. They're playing the best team in baseball here and they played them kind of close in one of the games. <laughs> 
I, I just love how many qualifiers it took you. Like you started that sentence, and you, folks, you could see I can see Dan's mind turning. Like, uh oh, uh oh, I have painted myself into a corner. How many qualifiers do I have to throw out before I before I justify that that was harsh? Well, I did see. Okay, well, we'll talk more about that later. And, and but the Dodgers are really good. Like that's just kind of what it comes down to. Um. I'm going to put on my bench Max Kepler, who has been useless since, and again, I pointed this out last episode, you need all five of your toes. Like, you have five for a reason, and I think clearly he's not able to swing well enough with a, with a bum toe. He made a nice defensive play, I think it was in game one, a nice sliding catch, but at the end of the day, he doesn't, I don't think he's healthy enough to be playing, and yet, who else do you want? Do you want an outfield of Jake Cave, Celestino, and Nick Gordon? Like, is that what we're looking at instead of Kepler? Well, that seems to be the daily lineup that Rocco doesn't mind trotting out there. I guess so. And to, for the record, Kepler was 0 for 4 in Game 2, and he was also 0 for 4 uh, in Game 1. No, Ke- Kepler is the accurate choice, right? Like, if I was going to choose someone on the bench just for parody's sake, and I thought I was just annoyed at Hoag's just picking whatever. Like, it didn't even need to be a player. He's just like, you guys can't pick relief pitchers. And he's like, well, I choose the umpire's hat from first base. It seems unfair that his hat was a darker black than the other umpire's hats. It's like, what are you talking about, buddy? Well, he's going to get his chance. He's filling in for me next week, so or next series. Yeah. So. I, the he'll, the he'll only reason I'm being actually harsh here to hoax is because he'll get his chance just, just real soon to come back at me. I had to deal with two episodes in a row. That's pretty rare that we do that, where there's two episodes out. Obviously, in all seriousness, it's really great to have hoax on the show when we can't be here. Great fill-in host. Appreciate it greatly. But I'm still going to throw some shade your direction. Well, let's uh, let's let's move over to Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. Dan, I've got some things to say, so why don't you uh, why don't you start us off, and then then I got some things to say to Rocco. All right. So for a long time watching the series, I was like, well, I don't I don't know what Rocco's going to do here. I mean, he's playing the Dodgers, but it was curious to me that in the eighth inning of game two, he's bringing out Cole Sands to pitch because we just saw Cole Sands fill in, I believe it was at the back, after an archer start, and he pitched the last three innings, and I thought, okay, well, they're finally piggybacking like we have been talking about for so, so long. Why aren't you saving him for one of their starts in the next series? So maybe he'll still use him, and actually Cole Sands pitched pretty well. Like I said, he had the one, two, three inning. I was just a little bit surprised that he was even showing up here after pitching on Sunday. Well, it's a little bit strange, right, because he only got one inning, and so I'm confused what you're doing with him because initially, like you said, the last time he was used he was used as a length guy out of the pen so is it just to like get him up and going but you would think if he's going to be used as a length guy an extra off day wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing right maybe he was so optimistic that the twins were going to come back and force a bottom of the ninth <laughs> and maybe a bottom of the tenth like he he was ready for cole sands like cole was stretched out he was ready to go for anyway what about you you have a laundry list here you want to work through so i'm just going to sit I back do. and listen well there was just so much that happened while i was gone but so we'll talk about this series first one i like that you let ryan in whatever you knew this game was out of hand let him get his work in see if he can work through it work on a couple of pitches whatever he's going to do with that extra time in game two you should have pulled gray as soon as he was in trouble you could tell they were seeing the ball out of his hand Rocco you're playing the Dodgers you're playing the Dodgers you're not playing the friggin Royals right <laughs> like it's time to pull him as soon as that lineup gets a hold of what he's doing like you had guys you could go to it's not like you're you were short-staffed you were coming off an off day before the series started and you used Pagan and McGill yesterday you got options Rocco you should use them yeah I was really surprised by that too and Fieldbar came in he does get out of the jam um and Fulmer doesn't look great but I, I, I agree you gotta pull him earlier because this is a game that you can win yeah, it's the only one that you really were going to have an opportunity to win because obviously the first one didn't go your way. But so here's the thing. I have to talk about Rocco's ejection. I was so <laughs> bummed that I didn't get to be on the podcast to talk about this. 
So I've watched that video of him getting thrown out. I don't know how many times. Oh, it's hilarious. But Rocco, obviously this is nuts, right? Like we never see Rocco get this angry and his post-game presser is just hilarious. But it's so funny. If you watch even the words that are coming out of his mouth and how his body moved, it did not match his anger. Like there was no flow. There was no cadence to the way his arms were flowing with the words that he was saying. And I think it's honestly, it's because the muscles are unfamiliar with the anger flailing <laughs> that Rocco was trying to work in. So it was kind of like, you ever watch a movie where like it's in, it's in a different language, right? And so you got the subtitles going and they're a little it's bit a foreign behind. film. We call like, those foreign films, yes, David. Foreign. I'm sorry. I can't keep up with the high culture that this podcast is apparently a big supporter of, but my goodness. <laughs> So it's like that where the subtitles are just a little bit behind. So like there's a line that has like a ton of impact, but like the guy has already said it like four seconds ago. So it like doesn't hit quite the same. That's how Rocco's movements were. Like you can tell I use my hands when I speak. I'm a very expressive speaker in that way. And like when I'm making a point, you know, I'm pointing my finger and like Rocco's hands are like four or five, you know, just milliseconds behind where his words are hitting. He just couldn't do it, Dan. His body is not prepared to function in that way. I do hate when I'm watching a movie and, and it doesn't quite like the audio doesn't quite line up with the video. So I, I do empathize yeah. with that because that is that is annoying. Um, can we that's can Rocco we move in on? real life, Dan? Can we move on to the Minnesota moment? Or you got any more? No, no, that's all I got for Rocco. Minnesota moment. I'm going to go with the Gallo home run. I just thought it was quintessential Minnesota, right? You're playing a team that's superior. And by the way, this week, the Mariners have been playing the Yankees and the Mariners are beating the Yankees. And it's infuriating because it's like they're supposed to be the same team. And here the Mariners are doing something the Twins can't seem to do. Getting it done, Dan. Your team out west is getting it done. What do you got here, sir? Yeah, so I think it's got to be in game two in the bottom of the fifth. The Dodgers have runners on. And Miranda makes a great play at third to get out of the bottom of the fifth to keep the game tied. And I really thought at that moment, you know what? They still got a chance here. Uh, alas, they didn't, obviously. But in that moment, Dan, it seemed very important. It did. It was important. And I think if you're not playing a team, the Dodgers are just unfairly good in, in some sense, I think. Like, they go out and they sign Freddie Freeman. They trade for Joey Gallo. Like, what are we doing here? They already got Trey Turner. They got Mookie Betts. They got Cody Bellinger batting ninth. Like, I mean, it is getting easier and easier as the days move on to consider them Evil Empire West, certainly. Happy to do that. Um, well, let's uh, let's go ahead and muse here, David. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. So we just talked about just getting beaten up by the Dodgers. And here's the question I have for you, Dan. Let's just say, caution to the wind here, somehow, <laughs> somehow the Twins make it to the World Series and the Dodgers are the opposing team from the NL. What percentage chance would you give the Twins against the Dodgers in the World Series knowing that right now the rosters are locked? There's nothing you're going to be able to do to improve this team before the World Series comes, Dan. 10%? I I mean, like, I, it can't be much higher than that because of the way that this, this series went, the way the whole season series has gone. The Dodgers have only gotten better since earlier in the year. I know the Twins got better pitching now. Too much has to go their way to 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 beat the Dodgers in in a in a series. Well, and right now we know they would have gotten swept in a four game series if you just take yeah. all the games they've played against them so far this season. Yeah, I uh, I would I would say. I mean, do you do you think it's any different than that? No, I think if we played them ten times, they might win nine. Then, <laughs> um, my musing is to go back to Rocco's ejection uh, because again. One of the best moments of the season. I also love how, how articulate he is when he's angry. Like, I only wish that I could be that articulate. This is my question to you. Is Rocco not getting a suspension and just an undisclosed fine? Is that an admission from baseball 
that the replay got it wrong? I don't think so. Because here's the deal. I think everybody in baseball, outside of that one video operator who saw that and decided that, oh yeah, that's a rule, we should definitely call it. Everybody knew that this was wrong. And I don't think you can dictate what you're giving suspensions for based on whether what the person is upset about is accurate or not. And I think that's a really dangerous precedent. <laughs> like, like if the call is just the worst call that baseball has ever seen, you're just out there just letting the F-bombs fly in your post-game, post-game <laughs> press conference. Well, but it's okay because the call was actually, it wasn't a good call. That's a that's a very mature response there, David. Uh, for me, I, My, you and Hogs just throwing that word at me all the time. Well, I mean, you're growing up. I think. Yeah, I, I think it's clear that baseball was wrong. But you're you, you're right. You have to be consistent with laying down down the punishments. But I was surprised he didn't get a suspension for as harsh as he was. Um, basically, going right at Major League Baseball itself. All right. Well, let's go ahead and grade this series, Dan. I'm sure I'm sure people are curious what comes of it. Series grades. So, David, I'm looking at your grade on the note sheet. If I wrote that many Fs on the bottom of a student's assignment, Kufus, I don't. I think I'd lose my job for being too mean. Yeah, I, I think it's it's deserved in this particular instance, just because it seemed like nothing went right in this particular series. And so, I'm willing to do this. I wouldn't do this on a student's paper, Dan. Like, well, I that's, know that's a little. You think harsh, nothing but... went right, though? I think there were bright spots. Ish, and I think maybe this is. I don't know. The split against the Blue Jays, this the way that that game ended on Sunday, maybe that was still in the back of my mind. It just would have been nice to get a win here to sort of bounce back and, and get back to winning ways. And on top of that, losing the division lead, it's just too much, Dan. It's too much for me to handle with just one letter F. <laughs> well, I will I will just say it's an F because the mission, I think we, we would agree, was to go down there and win a game. And they didn't do that. And, and they weren't all that close, really, at the end of the day. All right, well, let's keep going here, Dan Herbie's headlines. I don't know, Jack. It looked like Herbeck pulled him off the bag. Herbie's headlines. This seems, David, like just the kind of story you need here late at night uh, to cheer I your do. spirits. Yes, I need something to to lift me up here, Dan. So, Little League World Series has started, and there's this really cool moment where a pitcher nails a batter in the head. Now, granted, I think it basically only got the kid in the helmet, mm -hmm. but this really shook up the pitcher. You could tell the pitcher felt really bad about it. The infield was in, the coach came out, and the kid just couldn't get it together. But then you had the kid who got hit in the head walk over from first base to talk to the pitcher and say, you're all right, man. And, like, that's just so cool, and, like, it just shows that there's something more here. It's not just sport. I feel like Hoax was getting sentimental and made me want to get sentimental. But in this moment, it's like there are skills here being learned and taught that will be used in these kids' lives for the rest of their lives. And that's why I think why you and I really love baseball is because it was instilled in us at a very young age that this game can mean so much more than the scoreboard. Yeah, I think as much as baseball has these unwritten rules and, and there's a lot of like um, cultural norms in baseball that we will make fun of and we will talk about, about not stealing second late in the game and things like that. But there are moments like this or there's, you know, the or there's the Aaron Judge home run ball in Toronto to a, a kid who's who's just loved Aaron Judge his whole life. And, and then Aaron Judge invites him in like those human moments in this sport. I think you just get more of them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it, you're you're right. This was a very good, uplifting note See? Uh, to end on before we go into our Puckett's Picks for the upcoming Angels series. And we'll see you Puckett's Picks. So, David, now it's 13-13-9. There's, there's a lot at stake. There's not a ton of series left. I mean, you know, the listeners still could could make a run here. So, Hoags is going to stick with Miranda. Since he's co-hosting, he's going to pick for the listeners next week. So, this will be, what, five in a row now with Miranda for him? 
Yeah, five in a row, and I think it's probably the right choice, Dan. He's probably going to play the most games out of anyone you could pick, and he certainly seems to have the power to score some points. And I also think, too, he's maturing as a hitter. He's got so many two-strike hits lately. Even even in the game here in Game 2 where he had he nearly had a home run down the line, very next pitch, he pokes it the other way for a single. So love Miranda. love what he's doing in the middle of this lineup. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take a rise because I'm so sick of picking Correa because if you're going to get booed everywhere the least you can do is win me Puckett's picks for crying out loud you haven't picked a rise in a very long time no I'm back on that train eight to ten points should win it for me this time around I think well I'm gonna go with Buxton because Rocco says he's gonna play in center on Friday which makes me think he's gonna play two games out of the series so I'm gonna take Buxton and uh, and hopefully he continues to hit what he's he's at 27 home runs um which by the way if i think hoags went back and listened to the season preview i'm not looking very smart uh when we go back to do the recap of that i don't think any of us are dan but here's to hope and we won't care what our predictions were because we'll be we'll be wearing our twins 2022 world series champions t-shirts oh man i can only hope um well a couple things so i'm going into the woods uh actually well kind of i'm going to denver and i'm actually going to go to rocky's game and then i'm going to go into the woods that's a musical reference isn't it it is you caught that there (laughs) see very good so hoax is going to fill in for me uh for the angels series um but then we have a good stretch here david where it's just you and me for a while back to the usual way of doing things dan all right well david since it's been so long i think you should probably send us out yeah, will do. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win and find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you could leave us a rating, that'd be great. A reminder that episodes are now available on our YouTube channel. And if you could drop us a like and a subscribe, we'd greatly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening, and as always, go Twins!